The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Good day, good day, good day, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Suns fan. This week, only a few games to recap and preview. We've got the 76ers and Heat games to talk about. And we actually have to pass on this Nets game due to uh, scheduling. We have to record right before this game. And then after that, we'll be previewing two games for next week against the Lakers on Tuesday night and the Hawks on Thursday. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, we'll hop right into things, into that 76ers game. And this was a fun one that we were really looking forward to see, especially without Embiid that we, and the fact that we didn't have Aiton. We were all ready for this game, and we thought, hey, maybe we can get a win here. End that undefeated streak for the 76ers. And we did. Final score, 114-109. to 109, And we finally got to see that Devin Booker game that we've all been waiting for. Yeah, it was nice to see Booker get a 40-point game this season. Super efficient 40-point game, too, because he scored those 40 points on 15 for 19 shooting, and he was 3 for 4 from 3, hit all 7 of his free throws. And along with the scoring, he had 4 rebounds and 3 assists. He also had a block, and he did all of this in 32 minutes, which is really nice. It's nice to see guys go out and get these great numbers in or a decent amount of time rather than 40 plus minutes, normal amount of minutes for him. For whatever reason, Booker always plays well against the 76ers and I'll take it. This was a great game. Yeah. And last week, uh, the game against the Grizzlies we were talking about and we said, wow, this was an efficient game from Devin Booker. And then he follows it up with this one against the Sixers. And it, it just felt really nice seeing him put this all on display Something that we were were used to as Suns fans. We're used to watching Devin Booker take over the game. But the fact that the entire team hasn't relied on that, maybe up until this game, it was just nice to see. And obviously the guys getting help along the way with Rubio, who finally put together probably his nicest offensive game of the season. Finished with 21 points, 3 for 5 from 3, 6 for 14 from the floor overall. Six for six from the line. So the shot was there for Ricky on this night. And he also puts 10 assists on and seven rebounds. So this is a game where Ricky Rubio does a lot of things to propel us to a victory. That's what we've been talking about. And it just happened this game. It was the scoring that really helped us out. Yeah, it was nice. This was definitely Rubio's best game from the offensive side of things for us this season. 
he he has the ability to do this every once in a while. And it's really nice that we don't have to rely on Ricky Rubio to do this every single night. We can win games without him doing this kind of thing. But it was really nice in this game against the Sixers to have that scoring contribution because we really didn't get a lot of scoring from other guys. We talked last week about how we usually have one bench guy who puts up a decent amount, at least 10 points, and we didn't get that in this game. The closest we had was Tyler Johnson, who had eight points, but all our other bench guys really struggled. Um, Mikhail Bridges had six points. He He shot two for three, but Bridges just really isn't putting up many shots this season, and I think that's okay. We also had Cam Johnson, who in nine minutes had two points, and Frank Kaminsky, who had three points on 0 for 5 shooting in 20 minutes. So there's going to be nights where our bench struggles. Javon Carter had no points and only played 10 minutes. He really, really struggled in this game, and that's okay. Other guys picked up the slack. We can't expect guys to have these perfect games and to overperform every night. We want them to give their all, but... There's going to be times where they don't put up these awesome stats. And we had Rubio fill in the gaps, and it worked really well. Right. And I think a big part of this game is we outscored them in the paint 48-32. to And yes, that's a game without Embiid and Aiton. So, and you look at their roster and you see, you know, Tobias Harris can get it done. In the paint, Al Horford, but Al Horford was dynamite this game, but from outside. He didn't do much inside. And then Ben Simmons, who played a pretty poor game. But seeing us outscore a team, a big team, a big defensive team like the 76ers in the paint, I think that's really encouraging for us moving forward, again, without Aiden. Yeah, definitely. And I do want to give more credit to Horford. He had a great game. He had 32 points on 13 for 20 shooting. I can't believe he missed seven shots because being there watching him in this game, it seemed like he missed one, maybe two shots. I don't remember him missing seven shots. Yeah, I'm in that boat too. He was really, really impressive in this one. And I think when you're able to, you know, draw Baines out like that frequently, and then when you're hitting those shots, that's where you could kind of see this Suns team crumble, but, you know, we held this out. We won this game, and, you know, they were up by seven at one point. We were up by eight at one point. It kind of went back and forth at times, but this team really stuck it out, and this was a really fun one to be at, especially. Oh, yeah, it was great. It really was. Oh, man, really fun game. I also want to talk about Kelly Oubre for a second. He didn't have his best game either. He shot okay, but he only took nine shots. He was five for nine. Uh, 14 points, six rebounds, one assist. This was, it was an odd game for Kelly. He wasn't as as involved as he has been. Zach Lowe described him perfectly on a podcast that he put out with Chris Herring, which I highly recommend checking out because they had a lot of great things to say about the Suns. But Lowe called Ubre a guy who desperately wants to be a high-usage guy. And I think that's a great way of describing him. But I think in this game, Ubre was able to take a bit of a step back. And I think that this not-as-stellar stat line for Kelly 
is encouraging. He can see that when a guy like Booker is hot, that it's going to be better for him to get the ball to Booker, that he doesn't have to do everything. And I think that's uh, really important progress for Kelly as compared to trying to force shots, trying to get to the rim even when there's three or four guys on him. He made some better decisions. He still had three turnovers and three fouls, but I think he just made some better decisions and recognized that Booker was hot in this game. Right, and something that I think I've been picking up on for Oubre this year is if he gets off to a hot start, he's going to have a nice game. If he doesn't get off to a great start, I don't know if the scoring is going to necessarily get up to what we're used to if he goes off to a slow start like that. But the guy is always hustling. He's playing defense. He's getting in the passing lanes. He's doing good work. So you can't completely discredit him when he does get off to a bad start. But I think I've noticed when Kelly gets it going at the beginning of the game, he keeps it going through all 48 minutes. Yeah, and we all know that he's a very emotional player. And he takes those emotions and they build throughout the whole game. So when he's positive, when he's doing well, when he's excited, that stays and he can use that. But we see the opposite side of that. When he misses a few shots in the beginning, sometimes he gets down or he gets mad. And Booker is a guy who plays really well mad. I'm not so sure if Oubre is a guy who plays well mad. I can agree with that. You can tell when he's excited and it's going well, I think it's good that he's up on that level. But if it's frustration, you don't see him really building off frustration. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. And I need to correct something. I said something about Horford always bringing Baines out. Baines guarded Ben Simmons a lot in this game. He did. Yeah, Baines did guard Ben Simmons a lot. I'm surprised about that. I think you called that, and I said I'd be I, I thought Ubre would be guarding him, but I, I was wrong there. You you were right. It's it's an interesting thing, and it worked. Simmons didn't have a great game. It's I don't I still could have seen Ubre guarding Simmons. It's so Ben Simmons is a guy that is so hard to predict. So I, I don't know. It's it's really, really difficult to figure out who will be guarding him on a nightly basis. He's such an intriguing player. If he can ever get any semblance of a jump shot going, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, just a really, what a weird stat line. Six points on two for eight shooting, but he had seven steals. You'd think if Ben Simmons gets seven steals in a game, those are going down the other way for fast break points by him more than likely. Right. But it just right. wasn't happening. I, I guess you can attribute that to us getting back on defense and doing all right. How many fast break points did they have? They only had eight fast break points as a team. So that's that's why we won. Right. That's uh, that's interesting. But man, seven steals. That's crazy. And then five rebounds, six assists. Four turnovers. That's just a interesting stat line out of Ben Simmons, and I, I don't know. I haven't really been following them since Embiid's been back, but it'll be interesting to see what Simmons is doing now. Yeah, I know Sixers fans were pretty upset with Simmons after this game too, just that he can't shoot two for eight shooting, and he tried to do a lot of low post moves 
that still seemed like they weren't really in his arsenal. Right. He didn't get any easy roles in the game either. I can say that a few of his shots just as well could have went in, but off night for Ben Simmons. Yes, absolutely. All right. I believe that's all we have to say about this 76ers game. Uh, Just, you know, another really nice win at home. Gave the 76ers their first L of the season. So after that game, feeling pretty good. And then we get three days off. We're still at home. The Heat come to town. And this is a game. This is the first true loss for the Suns this season. I think we can all agree to that. The final score was 124 to 108. And man, the Heat were up by 19 at points. There were only two lead changes early on in this game. They really had control of this. And it was all about Jimmy Butler. That was one of the best first halves offensively that I may have ever seen in person. It was incredible. He had 30 points in the first half. He only missed one shot. Didn't miss a shot from the line all night. He did everything, and we just couldn't match up on the guy. We couldn't. We we had no answers for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, it was really impressive. He's a great player. Miami is a great fit for him. We kept it close. We were only down by one after the first quarter. They outscored us by six points in the second quarter. Kept it even in the third both scoring 29 and then they ran away with it a little bit in the fourth quarter. We were in the game almost the whole time. The fourth quarter got kind of rough, but we, we kept bringing it back. We kept clawing our way back. So that's encouraging. This is the first true loss. I mean, our other two games that we lost do count as losses, no matter how salty Suns fans get. A loss is a loss, even if it's a one-point game on a questionable call. But this game was our first loss that was not on a last-second play. So it's going to happen. The Heat are really good this year. And, you know, we just we couldn't get it going. We struggled offensively. Baines had 23 points in this game, 23, four rebounds and one assist on 10 for 17 shooting. As much as I love seeing that, if Aaron Baines is your leading scorer, you're probably not going to be winning many games. (laughs) Right. Leading scorer. And he shot four more field goals than Booker. He led the team by, yeah, 17 shots attempted by Baines, which is... Yeah, I'm not mad at it because someone had to step up in this game because Booker did have a somewhat rough one and we can go into that in a little bit, but back to the heat Butler has this incredible first half and then only scores four points in the second half. But our old friend Goran Dragic had a second half to remember the guy just went off on us. No answers for him. He finished with 25 Six rebounds, four assists. He was nine for 16 from the floor, five for seven from three. And some of those three-pointers, they just felt like daggers going into our heart when they were going in. And, you know, some of them were deep. And he's got to love coming back to Phoenix and doing what he did. Because, you know. He even said it. Yeah. And we've kind of kissed and made up since the big deal that happened, which led to him leaving, obviously. But it's still got to feel good. And he really put us away in that second half. He never let us claw back in. 
Yeah, he it, it was the Butler show in the first half, the Drogic show in the second half. The Heat bigs, we also had a hard time containing. Bam Adebayo is good. Myers Leonard didn't really do much. He only had six points. It still felt like he was making an impact, though. We also saw our old friend Derek Jones Jr., who had two points, but they came on an impressive dunk. And got to give a shout-out to my boy Kelly Olenek, who had seven points. He didn't do a ton either. We did get them into foul trouble, which was kind of nice and unexpected. We kind of had the refs on our side a little bit for the first time, and it was it was weird. But I think the whole point of all of this is this is the first game that I noticed where we really missed Aiton. I think this game would have looked a lot different if we would have had DeAndre Aiton. Right. I want to remember who I heard talking about this, about the gravity that Bam Adebayo has. Because on those pick and rolls, you know that if you're not dropping in there, He's an alley-oop target on every one. And when you have big lumbering Banes trying to contain that, you know, maybe show up on the pick-and-roll ball handler and then drop back, that's tough. And you could just see so many things happening due to that. And he had a great game. 15 points, 10 boards, 6 assists, 5 steals. That's a pretty wild stat for a big man. Not so different than maybe what we've seen from Baines once or twice this year. (laughs) But... Yeah, I really like what he brings to the table, and if we had Aiton to match up on him, I think we could have neutralized his effect on the game a little bit. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the offensive input would have been huge. We we had more struggles from the bench guys, and I want to talk about Frank Kaminsky here, another big guy who is part of filling Aiton's role. In 17 minutes, he had three points on one for two shooting, and he didn't even attempt a three. He had some looks, but Kaminsky looks very hesitant. I know we talked last week about his patience potentially being a good thing. I think he's being a little too patient. We might disagree here, but I think he's being too patient. I think he needs to pull some of these threes. I know he isn't shooting great this year, but the way to get his confidence back is going to be to shoot. He needs to actually shoot. And he had some wide open looks that he passed up. I would have liked to see him just pull it because we know he can hit some of those. I can agree with that. It seems like Frank was really apprehensive to be putting up shots in this one. Not a drag and bender level, of course, but (laughs) he, he just wasn't. He hasn't seemed quite like what we saw at the beginning of the season for the last couple games here. And. You know, that's something I really look at in players is how they bounce back from a slump like this. And I've mentioned before on the pod about how Frank Kaminsky fell out of the rotation last year, busted his butt, made it back into that Hornets rotation, and ended the season putting up some pretty decent numbers. This is early. And, man, without Aiton here, we're going to be relying on Frank a lot more. So he does need to step up. I'm a little bit nervous about these last couple games, but yeah, I think Frank needs to start pulling the trigger a little more often. We can deal with a few misses if they're good shots. And then then we have Monty Williams as a head coach now. I, I 
feel confident in what he will do to help bring a guy out of a slump compared to how I felt the last few years. Like we saw some games where who in particular do I want to pick on? I don't know. Like when's the last last year did Josh Jackson ever break out of a slump? No, it was pretty much a season long slump. I want to see what Monty can do in a situation like this. You know that he he's noticed that our bench hasn't quite been playing like they have been. So maybe that'll be a challenge that uh, with these few days off we've had, maybe the bench is going to step it up from here on out. I don't know. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing if everyone can take a bounce back after this loss. Yeah. Especially Mikhail Bridges, really tough game for Bridges who had five points. He did have seven rebounds. But he was two for eight from the floor, one for four from three, minus 28. That's pretty rough. No one else really came too close to that. So his impact was kind of rough. And his counterpart on the starting side, Kelly Oubre, was plus four. So really not too encouraging from McHale. Tough game. You know, I'd have to rewatch the game, but did Bridges play a lot of minutes in that onslaught by Jimmy Butler? Yeah, he he had to. That had to have been it because, man, yeah, that well, I think minus we twenty were really sticks we out. Yes, we were trying everything we could. Ubre was having a hard time guarding Butler. Booker guarded Butler for a little bit at times even. That didn't go well. No. Bridges couldn't guard Butler. We just didn't have anyone who could guard him, and we tried everything we could. Yeah, well, that's that's not great heading into a game against the Lakers where there's a couple guys who can really get it going there, and who are we going to have to step up and stop them? We, we just got the treatment from Jimmy Butler. Are we going to be able to handle AD and LeBron against the Lakers? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we match up against those guys. Another game where we could really use Aiton. Oh, yeah. So let's just move into that. Let's talk a little bit about this game against the Lakers. It'll be Tuesday night. And actually, before we get too far into it, this is the, uh, this is the trivia wager game. Yes, it is. We can, we can talk about that for a second here. So our last trivia wager, and to remind people, we're going to pick a stat from one game per week, predict what it's going to be. Whoever is closest wins, and then at the end of the month, we'll see what the record is, and the loser has to buy dinner for the other person. So our trivia wager from last week was how many three-point attempts would Aaron Baines have against the 76ers? I said six. Charlie said five. Baines said, or Baines said, Baines Baines attempted five. So Charlie wins that. He is 2-0 on the season. I am 1-1. Our trivia for this week is how many points will Devin Booker have against the Lakers? So... This is what I want to do. I also want you guys to get involved on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Go ahead and send your prediction in. Just tweet at us with your prediction for how many points Booker will have. And whoever is closest on Twitter will get a shout out on the show next week. But let's do our predictions. So, what are you thinking for Booker scoring in this game? 
Okay, so the Lakers do have some pretty solid wing defender, defenders on their roster with Avery Bradley. They have Danny Green. KCP's there, too. So those are all some guys with some pretty decent size. Maybe not Bradley, but Green and KCP. Good length who can really match up on Booker. So it's it might be a rough one for him. Then there's AD... Dwight, JaVale, they're all clogging the lane. Lakers are pretty pretty nice this year, as much as I hate to admit it. But Devin Booker steps up against good teams, against good players. He likes to cook them. I'm going 32 points for Booker. I'm feeling pretty optimistic that he's going to put on a show in our home arena against the Lakers. I hope you're right. Me too. I'm going to be a bit more pessimistic. I'm still going to give him a decent point total. I think having those defenders will slow him down a little bit, and I'm going to guess 26 points. So we will see whoever is closest. Also, shout out to friend of the show, Josh Cranwetter, at Josh Cran on Twitter, who he is deciding these stats so that we can make it as unbiased as possible. Ahead of time, he just texted me what stat we should guess. So thank you to Josh for that. What a guy. Real man's real man. man's man. That's right. <laughs> okay, so otherwise, we've talked about Booker. How do you think this Lakers matchup is going to go? My biggest worry about this one is how in the world are we going to match up with Anthony Davis and LeBron James? I'm more worried about Anthony Davis than anything. I mean, LeBron, yes, I'm still worried about LeBron. Anthony Davis is really good, though. Baines yeah. is going to have to guard him. Baines has been getting into a lot of foul trouble. I I could see him getting a few calls early on, having three fouls, say, at the end of the first quarter, and us really being in trouble. Because the guy that we bring in is Frank Kaminsky, who I would not like to see him guard Anthony Davis. Right. So this could be rough. On the other hand... We have really surprised ourselves. The Suns have surprised us this season. I don't think we're going to shut Davis down, but maybe we contain him enough. Maybe Baines doesn't get some of those foul calls and they let us play a little bit harder. That's very hopeful. Very, very hopeful. But (laughs) maybe we just come out and outscore them. Maybe we hit a bunch of threes and outscore them. I think that's going to be the only way to win this game. Because it's going to be tough to contain LeBron and AD on offense. We're just going to have to hit a lot of threes and outscore them. Right. And they have Kuzma back now, too. They're yep. they're pretty much at full strength. I don't think Rondo's been playing, but I don't even know how many minutes he'll end up getting on that bench. So, Right. We'll have to see if we win that. this game. If we win this game, the final score is going to be something like, 120 to 115. If we or, win, it's going to be really high scoring. Or like that Rockets, what was it? Rockets, Wizards. It was like 156 to 155, not even in overtime. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we'll score that much. I'd Our love to watch is, that. Yeah, oh yeah. Our defense is good, though. We have a good defense this year. The Lakers just happen to have two of the best players in the world. Yep. So I'm excited for the game, obviously. Um, I hope our 
Phoenix faithful all show up and don't sell too many of our tickets to Lakers fans. I hope that's not a I hope that doesn't happen. But we know that the Lakers fans always pack the arena, so let's let's just try to be extra rowdy while we're there, huh? That's right. That's right. All right. So, Hawks game is on Thursday night. And when I look at that Hawks roster right now, especially since they're without John Collins for 20-some more games, it reminds me a little bit of a situation the Suns have been in in the past with a guy like Devin Booker and Trey Young, who's really the only real solid player on the team. Jabari Parker's been playing well for them lately, but I think that's out of complete necessity just because there's not (laughs) really anyone else there. And maybe that's how Jabari Parker thrives. Maybe he has to be the kind of the second main man on the team. Maybe that's good for him, but I don't know if that's good for the Hawks moving forward. But without Collins there, I think this is a very winnable game if we can do anything to contain Trey Young. Yeah, I think it's definitely winnable. I want to talk about the John Collins situation for just a second. He tested positive for uh, a banned substance, similar to the Aiton situation, but Collins tested positive for uh, human growth hormone. So it's interesting to me that we are seeing more of this this season and early in the season. It seems like the NBA is testing a little bit more frequently, possibly. So it sucks for the Hawks and their fans that this happened for Collins. It's a blessing for us and the teams that get to play the Hawks because Collins is a good player. He's a really yeah. solid player. So it. I've been thinking about this, wondering if, you know, our guys, is there an increase in guys using these substances or is the NBA testing more frequently and guys have been doing this for a long time? It's just an interesting thought. You know, if I'm wrong on this, please someone let me know. But I think that the steroid that he was caught using is only injectable. Hmm. And how do you say that you don't know what it is if it's getting directly injected into your arm? Yeah, And if I'm wrong, let me know. But that seems pretty crazy. And it also seems pretty crazy that him and DeAndre Ayton get the same length of suspension. DeAndre Aiden was caught with a diuretic. This yeah. is a, this is literally like they got he got caught in the act. HGH in the blood, a too high of a level. Like that's caught in the act. Aiden gets caught more than likely hiding something. But is that worth twenty five games apiece? I mean, I don't I don't know, but. I think I'm a little bit more on the other side on this. The The rules are very clear on this. And that's why we haven't heard anything about an appeal or anything like that. A reduction in games. Because the rules are so clear. They say if you test positive for a diuretic, it's a 25-game suspension. Same with this whole other list of drugs, including the human growth hormone that releases peptide two that John Collins got caught using. So from that standpoint, I get it. Now, should the league maybe reevaluate and say, okay, a diuretic isn't as bad. I don't know. I'm not going to speak on that because I don't have that knowledge, 
But the rules are very, very clear. Because when I first saw the 8 news, I was pretty upset. I said, well, I'm going to see what the rules say. And it was so disheartening because I read them and just saw, okay, this is very, very clear. This is what it says, and this is what happened. I don't know how to even appeal. Yeah, I think I just need to get over it. How many games have we played without Aiton now? Is it seven? So we're five and three right now. So seven, yeah. Seven the without first game we played with him. And, I mean, the Suns are undefeated with Aiton on the court. we got to keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One and oh. <laughs> That's right. Got to keep that in mind. Yeah, but back to the Hawks game. Trey Young is really good. He's been playing great this year. If they're going to win, it's going to be because he just balls out and plays out of his mind, scores 40-something points. And I I think we have the guys to contain him. Ricky Rubio is a good defender. You know, Trey Young is one of those guys who can hit from anywhere on the floor. He can hit these deep threes, and he's going to. I think we contain we can contain him enough to win this game. Right. Then Javon Carter off the bench, too. If if Ricky needs a blow, yeah. we, we have another defensive point guard that can come in. Definitely. I like that. So, yeah, contain Trey. That's a pretty easy recipe to beat the Hawks at this point. And definitely a different story once Collins does come back. Yeah, for sure. But on that note, we will be moving our show into the non-sports section of the show. So lately, I have had to wear my glasses. I'm having some issues with my contacts, been wearing them too much. I've been advised to wear my glasses for a little bit here. And I don't like it. I really don't like it. So what's the worst part about wearing glasses? Okay, one that's bugged me for a really long time. I've had glasses since fourth grade, I believe. So it's been a very long time where I've been spectacled. But ever since I got a TV in my room, I've always enjoyed watching, you know, throw on some TV, put on the sleep timer for 30 minutes to an hour, watch a little TV before bed, fall asleep to it. Then, you know, wake up in the morning, flip the TV on, start watching the news or sports center, whatever you're into nowadays. But I haven't been able to do that because I'm absolutely blind. And if the TV is more than what, three feet away from the end of my bed, I pretty much can't see it unless I were to get like a 65 inch TV, which would be insane. <laughs> but I, I can't I can't I can't watch TV before bed because sometimes I fall asleep in the glasses. I've broken some glasses by doing that. It just doesn't mix well. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'd like to be able to just turn on the TV and see it rather than fumble for my glasses. It's just always a pain. That's my that's my biggest gripe. Just the the sleeping aspect of having to take them off, can't see anything, might sleep on them, that deal. Yeah, for me, it's just that they slide down all the time. I don't know if maybe I need to get them adjusted or something, but I'm co- it feels like I'm constantly adjusting them. So if anyone has tips on how to avoid that, I would appreciate it. Tweet at us at Sunny and PHX Pod and tell me how I can stop my glasses from sliding down my nose and I have to push them up all the time. You need I, a strap. 
need one of those tight straps. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. The auto porter style. That mess with your <laughs> goggles. It, it would. Mess with your salad up there. It, it definitely would. And it's tough because I, too, it's not like I can just not wear my glasses and things be a little bit blurry. I, I can't see anything if I'm not wearing them. It's really rough. And I have to drive a lot for work. So if I can't see, I'm in trouble. So any tips on how to keep it, keep my glasses from sliding down as much would be great. <laughs> and actually, we were just talking about this after you you were put out of contact commission, I suppose. Yes. Um, we talked about how it's so hard to play basketball if you have to be wearing glasses. And I don't know why we didn't discuss this because it seems like something that would be right up our alleys. We need some Horace Grant goggles. We need to yeah. find some legitimate prescription goggles. And, you know, you just show up to the gym and people know you you're, You mean business if you throw on the goggles right. ready to play some pickup. They make those. They definitely do. Yeah. They're called sports specs or something like that. And if if they're not, then they should be. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We, we should maybe uh, look into that. Yeah. Because like you, my eyes started rejecting my contacts at one point and I just put them away. I stuck to glasses since then. So let's get some goggles. Okay. Well, we solved our issue. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to tweet us, but you probably still should because we, we love attention. At Sunny and PHX Pod. <laughs> that's Twitter and Instagram. Check them both out. Uh, next week, again, we've got the Lakers and the Hawks still on this homestand. Buy some tickets. Get to the stick. Cheer on our sons. The arena is a different environment this year. You can't take a nap in there anymore. It gets rowdy. So please, go to some games. Let's let's see some more orange in the stands. And then, come back next week. We'll have another episode. As usual, I think that's all I got. Go Suns. See you next week.